Welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. Welcome. Uh, John chapter 11, if you have your Bibles, please. John chapter 11, if you have your Bibles. Been thinking and mulling over a number of different issues as uh, we started our year in fasting and prayer and uh, seeking God. And um, as much as coming out of Christmas was hard, going straight into a fast, I, I think I enjoy it. I've come to enjoy it because it's like I get my mind back on the things of God. But one of the things that's been going through my mind is um, how many Christians actually. Many Christians are looking more for happiness than they are for the joy of the Lord. How many Christians actually know the difference between happiness and the joy of the Lord? And uh, a couple of definitions that I found and a couple of thoughts that I wrote down is joy endures hardship, trials and connects uh, 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 connects us with meaning and purpose. A person can pursue happiness, but a person can choose joy. And when you think about happiness, happiness is directly related to what's happening in your life. Whereas joy is directly related to what God has done in your life and is doing in your life through his grace and his love, has put on incorruption. And this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm a firm believer in victorious Christian living. But that doesn't mean I'm always happy. <laughs> it doesn't mean I'm always walking around with a big grin on my face. And at that, that my father's funeral, I can tell you, it wasn't happiness I was feeling. It was a sense of victory. It was a sense of joy. And I've chosen this morning a, a, a portion of Scripture, which is the raising of Lazarus from, dead, from the dead. And I was thinking about this because there's a song, a contemporary Christian song at the moment. It says, I may not know what a day will bring, but I know who brings the day. And when we started singing this morning and talking about nothing is impossible for our God, I felt that sense of joy again that I'm in the will of God this morning. And I want to preach a sermon to you entitled, That's Life. I'm going to read from John chapter 11. You might want to keep your text open for a little bit. We'll refer to different portions. I'll skip over it at different places as well. But it says in verse 1, and I'm reading New King James, it says, Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. And it was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with, uh, with her hair whose brother Lazarus was sick. 
Therefore, the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. And when Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not under death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he had heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after, he said to the disciples, let us go again to Judea. Skip over and let's pick up the story in verse 17. Uh, sorry, verse 14. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Then Thomas, who was called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us go that we may die with him. Verse 17, so when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. And many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Now Martha as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to, the, to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And then look, you can underline this. Jesus challenges her and says, do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. I want to talk to you about that's life this morning. And firstly, let's talk about the tragedy of life. The reality of life is tragedy will happen. And, emotion, and because we're emotional beings, there is always going to be times when you're going to feel sad. We are affected by the loss of people. And sometimes even the loss of people we don't even know. We read it in the news. You read about an accident where a, 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 the one over the Christmas break where the father and the mother died and the kids survived and you feel sad for that family. So we're emotional beings. But with the um, overall coverage and conversations that are around mental health seem, seeming to be more prominent, it would be easy for us to think now that depression, sadness, emotional trauma is more common in our generation than any other time. I'm not sure about that. Talking to people who lived through the war years, they had hard, hard times. Some of those folks that lived through the, the war years in Vietnam, you talk to a Vietnam veteran, I spent uh, a couple of hours with a, a Vietnam veteran not so long ago, last year, and uh, you talk to him and there are things that happened during that time that were hard. Tragedy happens every day to good people. We struggle with that. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 12 in the New Living Translation says, People can never predict when hard times might come, like fish in a net or birds in a trap. 
people are caught by sudden tragedy. Can I say to you, that's life. It's like sometimes we want to ignore the obvious. There are going to be tragic things happen and tragedy is caused, it causes suffering, distress, either by a serious accident, a crime, a natural catastrophe. Anything can happen that can cause you to get sad. In our text, there are a couple of facts, firstly, that I want to point out because Jesus had a great relationship or a unique relationship with Mary, Martha and Lazarus. Verse 3 says, so the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling, them, telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. And we read in New King James Version, it says the one whom you love is sick. In verse 5, it says, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. This, he had a unique relationship with these people. He felt their pain. Jesus was comfortable in their presence and these people were comfortable to send him a personal message. The second thing I'd point out about their relationship is Jesus was emotionally affected by the sickness and consequent, consequent death of his friend. I love that about the Saviour. I love this about the text, that it shows us that Jesus the man and Jesus the divine. It shows us his humanity and his divinity. In verse 33, we didn't read it, but if you had read the previous story, you probably know it. It says, now Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping and he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. In the old King James, or new King James, sorry, it says, he groaned in his spirit and was troubled. That word groaned has a connotation of snort with anger. It means to show displeasure at something deemed unworthy. Albert Barnes says that that word uh, groaned, it means it denotes violent agitation, not from anger, but from grief. He saw the sorrow of others. He was also moved with sympathy and love for a man that, had, that he called a friend and he had deep internal emotion. Verse 35, we know this scripture well. If you want to memorize the scripture, here's a good one. Then Jesus wept. Verse 35, Jesus wept. That's how Jesus felt about Lazarus. That's how the humanity of Christ comes through and he shows his displeasure at this man dying and he's there and he feels the tragedy of life. Can I tell you today, Jesus understands the tragedy and the sadness that you go through at different times. We have a saviour that can relate to our infirmities, can relate, have sympathy and empathy for us in all that we struggle through in life. Verse 36, the people who were standing there said, see how much he loved him. It was obvious that Jesus had this relationship and he felt the tragedy of the circumstance. Verse 38 in the New Living Translation says, Then Jesus, with intense emotion, came to the tomb, a cave with a stone placed over its entrance. Barclays says about this, he says that, that, that to the mind of the ancient Greek, the primary characteristic of God was apatheia in the Greek. The total inability to feel any emotion whatsoever. The Greeks believed in an isolated, passionless and compassionless God. 
this isn't true of the God of the Bible. Jesus shows us that He has compassion. Jesus shows us that He understands our tragedy. Jesus understands that there's going to be times in life when you're going to say, this is life. I'm having to go through this, but the Lord knows your tragedy. The Lord knows your pain. Scripture tells me that the Holy Spirit is called the Comforter. Why would He be called the Comforter or one of the attributes of His ministry to us if there's nothing to comfort for? In other words, the understanding that once you come to Christ and become a believer in Christ, everything's going to be all right. You're never going to have a hassle is false doctrine. The reality is we do go through some, some struggles and trials in life. That's life. Second thing is the challenge of life. On our journey through life, we're challenged by many things. Health, finances, relationship hang-ups, addictions, even as I'm getting older, I feel a little bit at times that I can't do what I used to be able to do. I try and stay a little bit fit, but it doesn't work, Gary. <laughs> as I said before, I believe in victorious Christian living, but that doesn't mean I'm going to be fit all the way till I die. <laughs> it doesn't mean that our lives as believers are easy streets. And there are going to be challenges along the way. Nowhere in Scripture are you promised an easy life. In John 16, 33, in the New Living Translation, it says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you're going to have many trials and sorrows. But take heart because I have overcome the world. He says, you're going to have these. There's going to be some challenges at different times. You're going to be stressed. However, some challenges we face on this journey as a believer will also come from the Lord. Where God challenges us spiritually. On this journey to the tomb, Martha comes running down and speaks with Jesus. She engages him in conversation. Verse 21, Lord, if, you, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. Obviously disappointed in the Lord's timing. Is there anybody else in the house today that gets a little bit disappointed sometimes in God's timing? <laughs> Why not God? Why not now? It's like we don't, it's like, why are we waiting? God, you've, you've done it all. I believe in Christian victory. Yeah, why haven't we got it now? And, and here is here's Martha. She's questioning the Lord's timing. Martha's words are real. No doubt the Lord uh, could easily have answered her question and healed um, Lazarus if he had got there. But the fact is, Jesus turns around, uh, amen, uh, and very quickly uh, makes a challenge to her. And Spurgeon says of this, the Lord speaks of things not as they seem to be, not even as they are in the present moment, but as they shall be in the long run. The fact is, the time that Jesus received the news, 
uh, when the Jesus had received the news, Lazarus was already dead. When Jesus gets to the tomb, he's been dead four days. Jesus tarried for two days. It was only 20 miles, uh, two miles away. So therefore, when Jesus received the news that Lazarus was dead, he was already, uh, sorry, he was sick. He would already die. But now the Lord turns that around and says in verse 23, your brother will rise again. This confession of faith of Martha is outstanding and I think that she should be credited with a great revelation when she said, yes, Lord, I believe he will rise on the last day. That's a tremendous confession. But then Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and life. Do you believe this? It's the challenge of do you believe this that I would underline in my Bible because the Lord is not short at times or will not hold back at times from challenging you of where you're at spiritually. He will challenge us where we're at and what we believe. Martha is hurting. She's looking for some comfort. But, Je but Jesus says to her, do you believe this? That if you believe in me, you can live for eternity. She says, yes, Lord. Again, a great confession of faith. Yes, Lord, I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who came into the world from God. But we move on. He says, where have you laid him? So they go to the tomb. And I'm short-circuiting for time's sake, but they... They go to the tomb, and as they go to the tomb, one of the first things Jesus says is, roll back the stone. Verse 39, roll, back, roll the stone aside, Jesus told, her, uh, told them. But Martha says, the, the, uh, the dead man's sister protested, the Bible says, Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. I like the old King James. Surely, Lord, he stinketh. He's been dead four days. He's on the nose, Lord. What do you want us to roll back the stone for? It's classic. But listen to the response of Jesus. It's a challenge once again. Listen, didn't I tell you, uh, tell you that you would see the glory of God if you believe? Martha, I asked you if you believed. You said you believed. Now I'm asking you to roll back the stone and you're saying you don't believe me. That is just, why are you doing this? There's a question there. Oh Lord, it stinks. Why are we doing this? Jesus challenges his followers all the time about what they believe. Who, who, who do men say I am? Then he says, but who do you say I am? Who do you believe I am? One of the great challenges of life we will face, and I believe this for the rest of our lives, is believing God through every tragedy and difficulty we face. It's going to be a challenge. We thought COVID was one thing, but we don't know what's coming next. What struggles we're going to go through personally and as a nation, as a church, various things that can come. But will you believe God? I challenge you today, will you believe God in some of the darkest times of your life? 
When my dad asked me to do his funeral and I sat there and looked at him across the table, he said, I don't want any of that religious stuff. I thought to myself, I've got to really press in for my dad's salvation here. I'm not holding back. And by the grace of God and by the power of God, God converted him and I was challenged to pray for him. It was a challenge, but I tell you, out of that challenge come great joy. Believing God when it's hard and when others are not believing God is going to be your challenge. That's Christian life. Thirdly and finally, the joy of life. I often say to people, and I heard it preached many years ago, but locate yourself in Scripture. Find where you fit in this Scripture. Put yourself there today at the tomb. A bystander. You're somehow related uh, in friendship or uh, maybe by blood to um, Mary, Martha and Lazarus. All of a sudden you follow out to the tomb. Jesus has walked out to the tomb and you see a big rock there. Then all of a sudden you hear... Uh, you see people rolling back that, that, that stone. People are crying. There's still emotion. It's an emotion-charged place. Everybody thinking that Jesus has gone to the tomb to mourn, but he hasn't gone there to mourn. Verse 41 and 42, so they, rolled back, uh, so they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, I thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of these people standing here so that they may believe you sent me. As you're there, you saw Jesus humbly pray. You hear him humbly pray. All of a sudden, there's a little bit of confusion as the stones rolled back. Under Jewish law, no one's allowed to touch the body. They become unclean. So what's he going to do? What is this guy going to do? What is this prophet from Nazareth going to do? There's murmuring. You're looking. You're wondering what's going to happen. Then all of a sudden, Jesus yells out, and I'm not going to do it because it'll scare the kids, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus, come out. And to the amazement, you're standing there, everybody's wondering what's going on, and all of a sudden, the first mummy in history comes out. He's wrapped in, he's wrapped in, 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 in grave clothes, and he's taken out, and he's, uh, sorry, he walks out on his own accord. And what does the New Living Translation say? And the dead man came out and his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth, and Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Loose him <laughs> and let him go. I used to hear a member of a preacher used to say that to him. Loose him and let him go. <laughs> Loose him. Unwrap him. We are not told what happened after that, but man, what a party. It started off as a funeral. It started off as days of mourning, but it ends up being a party. Isn't that what Jesus does in the life of people he resurrects? 
I've been resurrected. You know that? I was dead in my sins. I was lost and lonely and without Christ. Uh, I was on my way to a devil's hell, but Jesus resurrected me and brought me to life. And I want to tell you, that's the joy of life. I've still got joy, and it's coming up to 40 years of being saved. Glory to God. Next, Hallelujah. And I've still got the joy. As Pastor Josh was saying, he's got that joy, joy, joy down in his heart. And this little light of mine, it ain't going out. It ain't going out. I want to know, Christian, are you victorious? Can people see your joy? I'm not saying are you happy. I say, can they see a deep joy in your life? Something that pervades your life during hard times. A sense of victory. I understand people go through hard times and we want to pray and help you through that hard time. But Jesus is a victorious saviour. Here's this man who's in the grave clothes and he's dead for four days. He's in the dark and he comes out into the light. Talk about being born again. Absolutely astounding. I can imagine people lifting their hands and glorifying God. Unrestrained joy, especially Lazarus as he gets a big smile on his face once they took those cloths off his face. If you're standing there, what an outstanding miracle. I believe in resurrection life. We have... Have we seen hot cross buns in the shops yet? Yeah, well, all they point to is resurrection life for me. Delicious resurrection life. You'll probably, knowing you, you'll probably call a fast during that time. <laughs> I mean, I, I seriously, I put myself, that's why this is my favorite portion of Scripture. It goes from darkness to light, from tragedy to joy. This is something that if you want to get lift your spirit, read the text and let it settle in your heart that He is the resurrected Christ Himself and that He has resurrected life for every one of us. We've got every reason to be victorious. Every reason, because doesn't matter what this world does to us, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, you will live for eternity. Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 through to 15, and you being dead in your trespasses. And the uncircumcision of your flesh he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirement that was against us, which was contrary to us. He has taken it out of the way, nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. That's our victorious saviour. He is victorious. Our God is victorious. And we need to be in, that, in the stream of the Spirit, living in victory. Now that's life. Resurrection life. That's real life. 
just as an epilogue, which means what you do at the end, by the way. Anybody know? Had to look up the word. <laughs> what happened to Lazarus? What happened to this guy? We don't read too much. But in John chapter 12, 9 through to 11, it says, When all the people heard of Jesus' arrival, they flocked to see him and also to see Lazarus, the man Jesus raised from the dead. Then the leading priest decided to kill Lazarus too, for it was because of him that many of the people had deserted them and believed in Jesus. Boom! That's life. <laughs> You're dead. You're sick. You die. You get resurrected. Now they want to kill you. <laughs> Real Christian life is that you could get sick, you could die, you could get resurrected, but someone else is going to try and kill you. That the devil never leaves you alone. He hasn't given up on trying to get you into the fiery pit with him. That there are, are going to be challenges in your life that you're going to face after being born again, after living for God, after seeing a certain level of victory in your life. You can be raised from the dead and become a powerful testimony of Jesus and in the will of God, yet become a hunted man. That's what my Bible's saying. I don't read anything more. I don't know if they got to him, but what could they possibly do to him to stop him believing in Jesus? To stop him from testifying about Jesus? What could you do to Lazarus? What threat could you actually give him? We're going to kill you, man. Yes, yeah, so. <laughs> Been there, done that. <laughs> Seriously. I, that's what victorious Christian living's like for me. What can this world do to me that can stop me from singing His praises? What can this world do to me that can stop me from preaching that Jesus Christ is the one true living God that can save anybody at any time? I've seen Him resurrect all sorts of people's lives from the dust and the despair of sin and change them into wonderful saints of God living in victory for Christ. I've seen him do that. What could, they, what could this world possibly offer me or do to me that would dissuade me from living for God? There's nothing. But let me tell you, that's life. The highs and the lows. In reality... This man was a powerful testimony, and I have one exhortation to you as I close. Maybe we could have just a couple of singers come up, the, uh, the worship team come up right now. My exhortation is, my encouragement is, be a believer in Jesus Christ, live in victory, despite what you may go through. And when all seems dead and gone, there's hope in Jesus. There's hope in Jesus. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.